The word catalyst generally brings to mind action, movement, impact. The very definition of the word catalyst involves creating positive change, but there's a second and very important aspect to what defines a catalyst. It isn't used up in the process of helping create that change. Did you catch that? A catalyst does help create movement in a positive direction. However, it doesn't get depleted in the process of doing so. With that in mind, we are considering introducing an occasional new feature to the podcast schedule, the Contemplative Catalyst. But we need you to tell us if you want it or not. If you've been part of the Catalyst community for long, you probably tuned in expecting to hear this song, along with our traditional, in-depth, action-oriented, evidence-based interviews with some of the top authors, researchers, athletes, and coaches on the planet. In contrast, this special episode will encourage you to least I hope, step back and ponder, to pause, reflect, and contemplate. It'll be a little shorter, but it's our hope that you'll consider building these shorter episodes into a larger block of time, a bigger window in your day that allows you the space to think them through, to digest and ponder a bit rather than quickly moving on to the next episode or the next to-do item on your list. Whether it's your commute, morning walk, sitting quietly with a cup of coffee before launching your day, or maybe a break in the midst of or the end of your day, we hope this provides some nourishing food for thought and an excuse to hit that pause button on what's next, to simply be with your thoughts and your reflections that we hope this special episode might spark. I'm Dr. Brad Cooper, the co-founder of the Catalyst Coaching Institute, and I will admit right up front that the integration of time for contemplation and reflection, (laughs) it's never been much of a strong suit for me. For most of my life, the constant chatter inside my head has been ongoing. From a young age, I've literally, not kidding, digested time management books and attempted to apply them at two times speed. I've made it a goal to optimize everything, which can be good at times, but unfortunately, it also can be another word for rushing. Sit and ponder, contemplate, reflect. Are you kidding me? Who's got time for that? Good talk. Now what's next? With that said, I'm coming to you today not as an expert on this subject, but rather asking if you'd like to walk alongside me as I explore this in my own life. And maybe, just maybe in some small way, our doing so in our lives will help make this world a better place. Where should we start? How about if we look for ways to modify our autopilot settings in our lives? When Wilbur Wright made the first successful flight in 1903, he laid on his stomach pushing and pulling levers to control the plane. Nine years later, Lawrence Sperry invented the initial rendition of autopilot, which reduced the role of the pilot, a trend that continued over the last century in flight and, as we're seeing, is now transitioning over to the automobile as well. In our everyday lives, similar patterns emerge. Learning to walk or throw a ball initially involves a a sort of clunkiness and, and super concentrated effort. Over time, we grow to perform these extremely complex tasks without even thinking. That's autopilot. Mentally, the process of finding a friend's house for the first time without the help of GPS may be confusing. But after a few trips, we no longer pay attention to street signs. We we just get there. That's autopilot. Both of those, when applied to automating routines around healthy eating, exercise, sleep patterns, and other areas, are obviously valuable. If we had to ponder every single one of those each day, we'd barely make it out the front door. Once dialed in, we want 
to shift many aspects of life into autopilot so we can then turn our focus toward other important elements. But what happens when the autopilot takes over and we no longer stop to contemplate or reflect on what we really think or or what really matters? I'm afraid that's what's happening in our world right now and frankly is the reason I decided to try to explore it here with you. Everything has seemingly shifted to autopilot. We wake up to the same alarm at the same time, follow the same morning routine, drive the same way to and from work, sit in the same spot to do the same work and fill any and all potential space in our day with algorithm-driven social media posts, music, podcasts, and Netflix shows. Rinse and repeat, day after day after day. Doggone, it's efficient. But is it meaningful? Have I outsourced my thinking to politicians, church leaders, algorithms, and charismatic promoters of the latest life hack? Creating space seems to be a key step. I'm not sure it's the first step, but but it's certainly up there toward the top. No space, contemplation won't have a chance to blossom. And I get it. Easy to say, Brad. But how do I create space? Life is so ridiculously busy, I barely have time to breathe, let alone create this thing you're calling space in my life. I get it. And I don't have some magical answer as it's something I'm struggling to create in my own life. However, there are a couple of questions to consider about space that can get us started along with a bonus question that may add some additional benefit. Maybe the first two will help you set the scene to give contemplation the opportunity and then the bonus question might just spark a desire to do more of it in the first place. So let's try these out. Number one, what am I spending time doing that might be outdated for the life I'm living today? Obviously, there may be some technology answers to this, like automating my grocery shopping so it takes 15 minutes to simply click and then go pick it up versus my historical pattern of basically 90 minutes of going to the grocery store, shopping, checking out, driving back, etc. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. It, It may be something worth looking into, but what I mean are the things I'm spending time doing that might have been important in the past, but don't apply to the person I am today. You've likely heard the statement, you never step in the same river twice, meaning the river is ever-changing. So even the same exact geographical spot in the river is different each time. Friends, you and I are that river. Many of you know my story. I was pretty dialed in on endurance sport racing in my past life. 11 Ironmans, numerous marathons, a race across America, cycling event. You get the picture. But it's been years since I've raced seriously. Routines that were critically important back then, like getting to the pool at 5 a.m., avoiding all caffeine, reviewing little details of my workout splits, and keeping my bike in top working condition, frankly have little or no value to the person I am, the life I'm living today. What about you? Have your life and priorities changed, but your habits remain the same? So that's the first question. That's the one that I've been wrestling with, and I invite you to wrestle along with me. Where might I be investing time on outdated activities? Number two, what place will create the space for more what we'll call unitasking? Since we moved to the Cattles Ranch in Fort Collins, Colorado last fall, I've been trying basically a new routine. I've set up a chair in my office that looks out at the sun as it comes up in the morning. I've got my journal and my current pile of books right there in arm's reach. Our dog Sky and I will head down early in the morning And while it still requires a conscious decision to do that each day, it's gradually becoming a pattern, a a pattern that clears space from all other distractions and sets the stage for reading and reflection in those early morning hours. It's my unitasking space, 
the place where the only available multitasking involves balancing my cup of coffee while I'm journaling. Contemplation comes much more easily for me in this setting. Maybe your unitasking space place is in your car on your commute or an evening walk with your dog or sitting on a, a bench outside your office, a window seat at your favorite coffee shop or in front of a fire with a glass of wine. We're all different, but if we can dial in a place that allows for space without the noise of technology, people and other interruptions, we'll have the space to make this contemplation possible. So question two, where's my place that creates the space that contemplation requires. And then for the bonus question, to whom am I outsourcing my thinking? This question is at the heart of why we're doing this episode and potential future episodes on contemplation. Nature abhors a vacuum, and when we stop reflecting, when we stop contemplating, we still fill the void. But it's often with words from those who live on the loud extremes rather than the thoughtful middle. I love this advice from last week's podcast guest, Steve Magnus. He said, trying a keto diet may be worthwhile, but being part of the keto diet diehard community is probably a recipe for disaster. Having a sense of community in your church may be fantastic, but if the entire congregation starts screaming politically aimed rhetoric instead of the values on which your beliefs are based, it's probably a good sign to leave. Unfortunately, such outsourced thinking becomes so much easier to do today. A handful of decades ago, if I were to state something clearly ridiculous or think something clearly ridiculous and share it with someone, that person or someone in my community would point it out. They'd question it. The ensuing discussion would then drive me to reflect on my thoughts, perhaps do some additional reading or or speaking with others with other opinions to explore the realities of what I'm saying or lack of realities. Now, however, Thanks to the internet and social media, and and by the way, I do see positives to social media. This just isn't one of them. If I come up with a ridiculous claim, I can easily find plenty of people sitting in the extreme position on the subject who will reinforce my own extreme position. And then the algorithms expanded even further. So I, in quotes, connect with them, have my position encouraged, and build trenches around this thought with the help of those friends. Again, in quotes. Why do any reflection? Why, why, why would I even consider doing any reflection? All these people agree with me. Now, hey, please hear me. I'm not suggesting we spend our days questioning every little thing. That would be exhausting and counterproductive. I'm saying to consider there are valid reasons for differences in opinion. For example, here in Colorado, 41% of people identify as Republican, 42% Democrat, and the remaining 17% Independent. Rather than automatically writing off the credibility of anything said by someone outside of my chosen party, it's probably worth considering that about half the people with whom I work, pass in the street, or wave to in our neighborhood have a different opinion than me on that issue. Clearly, they likely have some good reasons for their position. Maybe if we would all take time to listen and reflect, we'd find most of us hold much more of a middle ground position, and that only the extremists are those standing behind the megaphone. Maybe if we stop to really think, then the, in quotes, party line could fade into a dotted line and we could come together as a community once again. After all, it's called the thoughtful middle for a reason. Here's a little tip that might help put this into action. A good friend of mine has a habit that turns this concept into a practical reality. More often than not, he responds to any new information with a single word. Interesting. Can you hear it? It's a curious, interesting. 
Not a callous, no way, or a sarcastic, "Uh uh-huh, or a positive, absolutely. It's a word of reflection, a word that creates a pause in our thinking, a pause that allows us, even encourages us to do just that, think. So our final question to ponder today is simply, to whom am I outsourcing my thinking? Was this helpful? Did it provide a bit of a catalyst for thinking, reflecting, contemplating? We need your input on this, folks. The podcast is here to serve you. That's why it exists. If you would like us to occasionally include a contemplative catalyst episode like this one, we need to know you see it as beneficial. We'll be watching the downloads on this one very carefully. If they match or exceed our traditional episodes, then we'll bring it back occasionally. If not, we'll stop with this one. So if you'd like to see a little more of these, please pass along to your friends, peers, clients, and others, and we'll take the hint and work these into the schedule in the future as well. Thank you as always for tuning into the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. Speaking of contemplation, if you're a coach and you have not yet registered for the Rocky Mountain Coaching Retreat and Symposium in Estes Park, Colorado this September, please don't wait. It will fill early. All the details under the retreat tab at catalystcoachinginstitute.com or reach out to us anytime with questions, results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com. Now it's time to be a catalyst, maybe a bit more of a contemplative catalyst for a world very much in need. This is Dr. Brad Cooper. I'll speak with you soon on another episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over the YouTube coaching channel.